Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. Listeners, meet Stacy. Stacy, meet our When Autumn Comes listeners. I really love the conversation we are about to dive into because Stacy is a mom who has two kids, Lainey and Calvin, and Lainey is her daughter with a rare disease. Lainey's disease is not the same disease that my children face. However, I just love how three moms with medically complex disabled children can sit down and have a conversation and we can all get it. We can all sit here and go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Or, "Uh uh-huh, wow, I'm living the same life as you, but I just, how do you handle not knowing if your daughter is going to go into paralysis or if her entire body will be paralyzed or just half of her body? It's so nice to find your people. And this podcast and our When Autumn Comes Society and our and our 4 a.m. mom group, we we are forming a group of people that just get it. And it's so comfortable to be able to to just have a conversation and get it. Oh my gosh, guys, I'm rambling and I don't know what I'm gonna say next, and my head is really tired. So um let's just can we just dive into this? Welcome, Stacy. Welcome back, guys. Today we are with Stacy. Welcome, Stacy. Hi. Thanks for having me. We got we got a couple Minnesota people. Minnesota, right. are you? Thick accent coming through from the soda. <laughs> 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 okay, so Stacy, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So my husband Rob and I have been married for coming up on eight years. Um, and then we have a son, Calvin, who will turn five in September. And then Lainey will be three end of August. And then we have a dog, Chili. We can't wait to hear. We love to hear about all of the family and, and the fur animals, yep. puppies, babies. But we are going to focus on Lainey today a little bit more. So tell us a little bit about Lainey and what is what does she love? Who is she? Yeah, so Lainey is a little firecracker. She's very feisty. And she loves bananas. <laughs> like, <laughs> she'll sit down and eat three bananas in one sitting. How um, does that not back her up? Can we it just does. stop and- <laughs> It does. Sometimes we've had issues. <laughs> but girlfriend loves her bananas. She loves her brother. Calvin makes her mm-hmm. laugh so much. Like... There are points when he wrestles her and we're like, cool it, bud, because she's low tone and like way more accident prone. And meanwhile, she is 
laughing so hard, belly laugh. So we're like, okay, she clearly likes it. She's fine. <laughs> she's holding her own. <laughs> she's, she's doing oh, this. Yeah. And she's as big as him, literally. Um, oh my God. Because he was growth restricted. So he is 29 pounds and she is 29 pounds and they're <laughs> two years apart. Um, she loves climbing. She climbs on everything, which of course, like as the parent of a healthy child, you're kind of like, oh man, my kid's getting into everything. What a pain. But for her, it's like, this is amazing. Like mm-hmm. we love having these problems for her because that means she's progressing. Um, so we call her Billy Goat because you turn your head and she's the other day we looked or we heard the piano in the background. And so we're like, Oh boy, Lainey's over by the piano. She was all the way up on top. Her knees were on the keys. (laughs) So so she is determined. That's another thing. She is just very determined. Um, Has her nickname turned straight up just to Billy yet? We call her BG, Billy Goat. Um, So that's one. We have so many nicknames for her. Like they don't make, any sense. I don't remember where they started, but of course, like each family has their own language. Mm -hmm. So like Calvin will call her names out in public and people are like, I don't know who you're talking about. And he was like, well, (laughs) my sister. That's funny. And she's also, Lainey is nonverbal right now, but she has a potty mouth. So as a family, we speak for Lainey Um, (laughs) and she calls mom bad names all the time. And And where does she hear that? I mean, where does she hear that? She um, <laughs> she calls mom bad names. So Calvin and I will like get into, he wants me to talk for Lainey, like when we're in the car. So he's like, mom, talk for Lainey. And then him and I will get in fights, even though it's like really him trying to fight with Lainey. It's just, oh my that's gosh, adorable, this whole thing. So that's she so has a strong personality and then we kind of like play it up with our own voice for her at this point. Can I interrupt and say that I don't know how far apart you guys live from each other, but I feel like Sayla and Lainey need a play date. I feel like this would be like a match made in special needs heaven. (laughs) Because they're so sassy. I don't know. Like we'd need some heavy drinks. Oh yeah. I'm fine with that. I am pro. (laughs) Deal. Heavy drinks. Make it a date. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what, tell us a little bit about what disease or condition affects Lainey. Yeah, so Lainey was diagnosed at five and a half months with alternating hemiplegia of childhood. Um, And the name is a little bit of a misnomer of the childhood part because it is a lifelong neurological genetic disease. And it's just that kids are diagnosed in childhood. So that's, you know, where the name comes from. And then alternating hemiplegia comes from the main symptom is that kids will get triggered by environmental factors that can cause them to have partial paralysis or full body paralysis, but it can switch from side to side. And one time it can be on your left side. Like right now we're in the midst of a four day episode for Lainey where her left arm has been paralyzed. And that actually hasn't been, I mean, it's a total pain and it is disruptive and she's had to stay home from daycare, but she is comfortable. Whereas if she has a full body paralysis episode, that is like a whole new ball of wax and um, really complicated. It, it complicates swallowing. It complicates digestion. Cause if you think about mm-hmm. paralysis, like really her whole body is compromised during those episodes. And then she also has epilepsy too. So she's, we deal with seizure management as well. 
Now, is that is epilepsy like a secondary or is that a genetic or just fluke that she yes. is a part of this? Yeah. Yeah. So like around, so there's different mutations within this disorder. And so Lainey has the one that is on average found to be the most severe and kids with this specific mutation, about 50% of them have epilepsy. So Lainey just keeps drawing all of those rare cards. Mm -hmm. So she's one in a million. This disorder overall, there's at this point, just because it gets misdiagnosed a lot, there's estimated to be 300 kids in the U.S. with it and then around a thousand in the world. And I should say kids like up to adults because... right. So um, you you have a zebra also? We do. We have an ultra rare zebra. Yep. Wow. So with all of this going on, does she have specific triggers for the paralysis? Like, do you know if I do this activity with her, we could have a really bad tomorrow? Yeah. And it's so unpredictable. And within the AHC community, like kids could have the exact same mutation and be so different, mm-hmm. which I know you guys know that from your own kids. So for Lainey, the one trigger that we know for sure that she has is really strong fluorescent lights where like Costco is a no-go for us or like big warehouse stores. She'll immediately have nystagmus. So like her eyes will move all over the place. And then, and then typically, typically right away, you'll see paralysis starting on one or both sides Um, Does she just, this is my lack of knowledge with this. Does she just slow down on that side or will she? Sometimes she'll have like both of her eyes will move and that's when it's like, okay, something's coming. Um, Other times it'll be just one side and that one side is typically the side that has, or is the side that will end up having the paralysis. Mm -hmm. So for Lainey, like her eyes for us are the gateway to understanding what's coming next. So she'll have very, very fluttery eyes before a seizure is coming mm-hmm. and nystagmus before paralysis is coming. So that at least helps us to like, I feel like that's like the number one thing that we say in our family are, what are her eyes doing? How do her mm-hmm. eyes look? So when you're about to face that, like, mm-hmm. I mean, God forbid somebody brings her to Costco, but there you are. Yeah. You see it. Do you go into panic? Do you go into let's buckle down and get ready for the storm? Like what usually do you feel prior to this happening? Because it sounds like you have like a handful of cues or maybe not a handful, but one or two that will get you. Yep. So kind of both. It's kind of more of like, God damn it. Like here we go, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you don't know what it's going to be like, you don't know how severe it's going to be. It might just be partial paralysis for a couple of hours and she goes to bed at night and she wakes up the next morning and she's great. Or it could be full-blown quadriplegia episode mixed in with dystonia, which is like a full body Charlie horse, which that is like the most evil mm-hmm. symptom of all. Because mm-hmm. if you think about how painful a Charlie horse is, I mean, she is shrieking in pain. And as a parent, you can't really do anything to stop it other than we have some like rescue meds on hand, which essentially just induce sleep for her. That's, That's like the quickest through. way. Yep. And it stings your heart because you're like, mm-hmm. I'm knocking my kid out so that she can sleep yeah. through this period. And totally. you're comforting her, but then 
it, I cannot, and I know you understand, like I don't have to explain it, but for the listeners, mm-hmm. I can't even put into words how bittersweet these emergency meds are. Right. Because you're trying, I mean, for me, Laurel, I will just lay in my arms and sob. And like, yeah. I mean, we'll be in bed, we'll be in every comfortable position. I'll have essential oils, I'll have weighted blankets, I'll have everything I can possibly have, but it just doesn't bring her comfort. So she has to sleep mm-hmm. through it. And yeah, it hurts. I loved yeah. the description that you said when you were like, damn it. Because yeah, not exactly. that I experience what you two experience on a smaller scale of you go through the, okay, here we go, watching your child have to go through this. And it is painful and sad. Yeah, And then even the selfish side of you of, oh my gosh, I was expecting to do XYZ or get XYZ done. And <laughs> so we were talking about this the other day. We're like, I mean, there goes the plan. Like I'm yeah, not yeah. going to go forget, forget like going on vacation. Like that's done. I'm not even going to go to Target. <laughs> like, totally. You really 100%. stop and your child's disease. I mean, you, you just have to be pliable and moldable because your child's mm-hmm. disease stop you in your tracks at any moment. And you just have to basically sit there and serve your child and put everything that you want and you need to do on the back burner. Yeah. Which is really hard to do when you have more than one child too. Stacey, it how is. often do these episodes happen for you guys? So there has been like a full evolution of this. So from when she was little, kind of like pre-diagnosis through her first year of life, like she would have nystagmus all the time. And then she would go into these like body stiffening dystonia, which we now know as dystonia episodes. And so those would happen. And the reason why the nystagmus was coming up is because her body was being stressed. And so she was so low tone. And so as she's getting stronger, that stresses her body. And so essentially the mutation of the gene for her this gene is responsible for, like, if you think as our body has excitement come at us and we just kind of moderate ourselves, her body can't do that. That is the gene that's mutated. And it is like this massive neurological, you know, center. And so they don't know, like experts don't know why it comes out as paralysis, but just like that is the effect of it. And so she was stressed a lot more when she was little because she had so many milestones that she had to get Mm -hmm. after and she had to get stronger. So now that she's older, she's just stronger so she can handle things a little bit better. But now she's at the stage where she can kind of go, it feels like about four to five weeks without any paralysis, which has been like totally game changer for us. It used to be every like 10 to 14 days. Some kids have it they have paralysis every single day for like a couple of minutes and then it passes and our experience is just totally different. And so they're in it of itself is like each kid's experience is so different. So you use the community for guidance, but it might not be as applicable. Um, Mm -hmm. But our community has been amazing. I mean, we were floundering without them and we like found our people. Mm -hmm. So not to look too far ahead, but I, I know that, in I'm sure so many disease affected communities, you hear about puberty kind of being the next Mm -hmm. big milestone where your body has to process and grow and change a ton. And I know for the mitochondrial disease community, I've heard that a lot of kids struggle through that, you know, age. Do they 
have any projection or through your community, have you heard that that may be her next or that could be a hard time for her? I haven't really looked that far ahead. Like I have mostly connected. I have a couple of moms that I text with, call, message, like on, on our Facebook group very frequently. And our kids are all around the same age, which has been so nice because it feels like we're all kind of going through the same things at the same times. And we live in such a day at a time mm-hmm. life. And, you know, our approach to life is so day at a time because it's, and it should even be like, honestly, hour to hour because it changes so much that I'm like, I do not have the brain capacity mm-hmm. to look that far ahead. Like we will cross that bridge when we get there. I know I hesitated bringing it up, but it is something that is always on my mind. So I yeah. was wondering well, if you... And I even think about like, will she be potty trained ever? I don't know. You know, at this point, we're just one foot in front of the other. I was Mm -hmm. talking to a mom, a fellow AHC mom the other day, and I was, we were just saying that, like, we kind of live on a fault line. You know, something bad is going to happen. Like, she will have an episode. She will likely have another seizure because we're trying to get that under control. So you just, like, live in this danger zone, and you don't know when there's going to be an earthquake, you know, to rattle your whole household but you still live there and that's where your roots are and you just move forward every day because an earthquake doesn't happen every single day mm-hmm. I like that I because I always use the hurricane analogy for my household and we have pop-up tornadoes and we've got you can see the storm coming and I but I also live on the east coast and like I mean that's mm-hmm. our life but to hear like the fault line I like that analogy because your house is on that line no matter what like right. you are there. That speaks to me. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Sadly. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I wanted to ask one of the things we talked about talking about was how we, we have like a talk track and we yep. have, you know, this is what, this is what's going on. And so with that, like you do have a Facebook page or you have a little bit of a following for your, your family. And how, how did you get to the point where you wanted to publicly share your story and do you have a book or what were you working on? So we got Lainey's diagnosis and like within the week I had created a website for her. Cause I was like, there is only one thing I can control in this situation. And that is spreading awareness and raising money for potential gene therapy cures in the future or any type of cure for this disease and other genetic diseases. And so we are totally open book about Lainey's disorder. And it's funny, like I was just talking to a coworker today about it and she was like, sorry if I'm asking too many questions. And I'm like, I love it when people ask me questions. Like this is Mm -hmm. my world and it's almost worse if someone doesn't acknowledge it. It's just like, you know, if someone passes away, it's like, well, that person exists in my life still. And so talk to me about your questions and you can, I will answer anything that I can because it gives me a good opportunity to just like shed light on. Yeah. It can be like really shitty and it can be really, really complicated to manage and like keep all the balls in the air. But I just want to make sure that I'm talking about it because it isn't, you try to portray again, Sue's to your point of like, There is hope. Of course there's hope, but there are like a lot of dark 
times. And so you have your talk track for when you just don't have energy to like get into those dark places. And for this specific people that it's just like, I don't need to give you the, (laughs) the full Mm -hmm. Monty on all of this, but, but other times it's like, well, sometimes I'm just having a really shitty time and I want people to like be there with me. So they know that it is, it's hard and you need support, you know, kind of across the board. In college, I was on public relations committees for different things. And we always called it our PR face. Like we Mm -hmm. put our PR mom face on and like we, you know, like the stuff you share, the stuff I share, the stuff that, you know, sometimes I share it and I think if only they knew how I really Mm -hmm. feel at this moment, like if only they knew that your kid can't move and what this Mm -hmm. actually, I mean, like, I feel that way if, so like, a couple months back, Lainey had a full body episode for, thankfully it was brief. It was like a day and a half, probably a full day of full body and then, you know, half paralysis on either side. Um, and putting my out of office on for work, it was like, I don't want to <laughs> say, sorry, I'm out of office for a sick child. Like that does not capture yeah. what I'm out of office for. Like I am out of office because my child is fully paralyzed and can't swallow milk or lift her head up but like you're not going to do that did you put that sometimes I'm like tempted to do that so it's like you don't even think about reaching out to me but those are like the different levels of you know there's some people that you always bring in to the fold but even with that like I have two older sisters and one of my sisters lives in my backyard and so and I'm, we're super close. The three of us are also close to each other. And so of course I pretty much tell them everything about Lainey, but I'm also not like texting them every day to be like, Lainey has paralysis again today. You know, like they don't know every single thing about the ins and outs or like Lainey's behavior is awful because of the effects of seizure meds right now, which have terrible behavioral side effects. And so it's like, unless you live in that house, unless you're myself, Calvin, or Rob, or Lainey, like, the, you know, no one's ever going to know the full picture. And do we do that to protect ourselves? Do we do that to protect them? Do we do that because we don't have the mental bandwidth to talk about it? Kind of a hypothetical yeah, question because I sometimes, don't know. I feel like a lot of times it's the mental bandwidth where I'm like, ugh. I don't want to get into it. And then I also don't want pity really Mm -hmm. either. And so if I tell someone something, it's like, I'm not looking for you to try to make me feel better. I know how to deal with this. It's just you ask. So I'm going to tell you, but that's the thing that sometimes is hard for me where it's like, part of me doesn't want to go into it because I don't think that they know how to react to the information. And so then I'm kind of putting them in uncomfortable position, which again goes back to like, here we are looking out for other people's feelings Mm -hmm. about how they feel about our situation. And it's just this Mm -hmm. whole tangled web. Yeah. I think it's really convoluted. I also think like for me, I don't expect them to understand. Right. I will, I'll give you what I can Mm -hmm. to try to understand. And I know that you have your own story behind your closed doors Yep. But like, ultimately, can we just try and have empathy for each other and support each other in whatever way that possible? Because 
I don't really expect you to understand what I'm going through. No. All I know is it's really, really, really hard some days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like some days are super, super tough for us. And then other days it feels like AHC is kind of more in the back of our minds and we can operate Mm -hmm. a little more normally, which most of the time that's when people see us because we can go out and about. And so it's like they kind of see these two separate pictures because naturally we're not going to go out when Lainey is fully paralyzed. So people don't really ever see that side mm-hmm. other than through social media and, you know, what I post to Lainey's story to kind of tell her story so people can kind of understand. And even then you're not, you, I mean, i I haven't followed you long enough, but like a lot of us are very cautious about what we still post I know it's like you have to like what you there's a fine line between letting people into your world a little bit and then mm-hmm. also for me it's like that's Lainey's privacy exactly too, you know and like mm-hmm. I need to be her advocate and protect her rights and her life um mm-hmm. so well, don't you think too protecting like the amount of work that goes into sharing like oh, the yeah. the amount of work that if you were to share something very heavy, such as, you know, your child in the hospital with things that yep. maybe most people would choose not to share, you're going to have a lot of people reaching out to you to ask, like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that's so appreciated, but yeah. it's a lot of work to get back to those people and to respond and to acknowledge and to appreciate. So it's almost too like, I, yeah, I don't even know where I was yeah, going I just with that. Had but. my birthday, and I can't even respond to all the people that posted happy birthday on my Facebook wall. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't. Like, forget when my kid is inpatient. I can't even respond on a good day when you say happy birthday. So let's just leave it at that. If you right. get a response from me, like, you rock. Can I ask <laughs> yeah. a question? Um, this is kind of jumping around, but sure. when Lainey goes, I know she's nonverbal, yeah. and she's two. And I also heard you when you said she gets like, she can get severe whole body Charlie horses. Mm -hmm. Yep. When she goes into this paralysis, what is it like if she ages and she gets bigger and more Mm -hmm. cognitively aware of, I can do this at some points, but today I can't. Yeah. How does that affect her, you know, behavior or um, does she get sad or is she angry or? So right now she, um, she definitely still tries to do everything that she can normally do. And so that's why we like, she's in it again for this particular episode that she's in, you know, like she, she actually can still walk. Like I took a video of her walking kind of Frankenstein, like, but like her arm kind of hanging to the side, but she's so accident prone. And so I think she gets frustrated when she's like, I can normally do this. Like, why can't I do this right now? Like what is wrong with my body? Um, and I know parents of older kids, even though their kid can walk, uh, you know, with outside of an episode, like they have a wheelchair for episodes. And there's, again, such a huge varying degrees of how verbal kids are, how cognitive kids are. And so only time will tell for Lainey of what, you know, what she communicates to us, um, which, again, it's funny if you have a you know, kids who are nonverbal, it's pre Laney. I was like, well, how do you know what they want? How would you know anything? And it's like, well, we know what she wants. Like mm-hmm. we, 
without her saying any words. It's like, okay, well, she wants this or she wants that, or she's mad because she can't go outside. You figure it out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll figure out ways if she still can't talk by that time of her to tell us what's going on. But I, I do think it'll be interesting of like, will she feel it coming on? That's what we don't know. And she obviously can't verbalize that to us, but yeah, it's a, it's a really bizarre disorder. And she doesn't have a feeding tube. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. that if she, I mean, like you said, and your what you wanted to be your outgoing message, but that is a, another stressor too. Like, what if you can't feed her or, you know, is the feeding tube something that some of the children have with this or? Yeah. Yeah. So some kids have feeding tubes and some kids also like have AHC, but again, like even more complications, like they might have additional genetic mutations. And so, you know, Lainey has luckily not had to have a feeding tube and she feeds herself and she drinks out of a sippy cup and we're just trying to continue to work to progress her there. But that is one huge area that is thankfully not a huge stressor for us outside of when she has episodes, but that's temporary. Mm -hmm. Good. How long has her longest paralysis been? Back when she was about a year and a half, she had like a eight day full body paralysis episode, which was like each day got progressively more exhausting Mm -hmm. for Rob and I. And I remember at the end where I was just like, I can't take her being in this much pain anymore because it wasn't so much the paralysis as it was the dystonia that would cycle in and Mm -hmm. out of it. And that was just, man, totally exhausting. There's another AHC child that I'm, I talked to her mom quite a bit and she just had a 26 day full body paralysis episode. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. And again, like you don't know when that's going to happen. Right. So when, when like this past week, another one started for you, Mm -hmm. I mean, do you go, okay, well it could be one day, it could be 26 days. Like, I mean, where does your other than, Oh God, where does your brain, how do you process this? We kind of just like try not to project too far ahead. I think we always like Rob and I will kind of look at the week ahead of us. If she has something You know, so this happened on Monday. She got home from daycare and had partial paralysis. And so we were like, all right, what does this week look like? Like, what could we potentially have ahead of us? And so it's kind of looking at, okay, if she needed to stay home tomorrow, who could take care of her? What about the next day? What about the next day? And Rob's mom is actually at our house right now taking care of her because she's semi-retired. So she has been able to help out in pinches, which has been a lifesaver. I mean, you can plan as best Mm -hmm. as possible, but it's never going to work out when it's convenient. Mm -hmm. So it's unpredictable. (laughs) Do you get to plan vacations? Do you have family vacations? Rob and I are actually going on vacation without kids on Monday. So that's why I'm also like, okay, let's get all the crap out of the way first. So she had like a seizure two weeks ago. She had a terrible cold, which when she's sick, it makes her more susceptible to episodes. Mm -hmm. She has paralysis right now. I'm like... Let's just do it. Let's just crank through all the bad stuff. And then you can be easy breezy, you know, no problems when we're gone, which that's like a whole other thing of 
is it responsible to go on vacation without her, but she's very well taken care of at home and we've got our whole laundry list and all the medication and our family has been around her every step of the way. And so, you know, she's, and she goes to daycare too. So like, she's always been taken care of by other people. I shouldn't say, is it responsible, but like, sometimes it's like, is it even worth it? Because it takes so much work ahead of time and there's stress and anxiety, but it's good for the soul and for the relationship too. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, you talked a lot about living one day at a time. And I know just for me and my husband, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm selfish. Like I like to Mm -hmm. know that I'm going to wake up and this is what my day looks like today. I want to get a workout in and, you know, do X, Y, Z, run these errands. And my husband's pretty regimented too, where like, if we get a wrench thrown in our day, We kind of sit and butt heads a little bit just from the stress of having to adjust and pivot. How has that affected your marriage? I mean, do you you feel like you're pretty, you work pretty well together that way or has it been like a big process to work through together? Yeah, I think we've just been a really good team. I mean, I think anyone in this situation, there are two paths that can diverge of like, it pulls you apart or it brings you together. And we've just gone through like in our almost eight years of marriage and just time together overall, it's like there have been so many life events that we have gone through and supported each other through. Like my dad passed away four years ago from another very rare hit cancer. It was a super rare cancer. So he was a zebra as well. Multiple miscarriages. My mom had cancer. His dad had a heart attack. Like we have ridden the ups and downs. And so it's like, we know how to support each other. And it's like, you can see each other's cues of like, okay, you need to step away right now. I will jump in, take a breather, come back. You'll relieve me. And so for Rob and I, I just feel like we have definitely come together. And it for us, it, it feels like it's us against the world. Like, I dare you to challenge us with something that we can't handle. Like at this point, we're like, bring it on. We can do it. Not that we want to, but like, <laughs> we could. Add that little little fine yeah. fine print there. Asterisk. We don't want to, we but don't we got want this. any more complications. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I look at like this community and we're all such badasses. Like, mm-hmm. let's be real. Like we somehow get through it. Totally. I think the thing for, well, I think both of you have gone through it, maybe more Diane of like searching for a diagnosis for your daughter. Mm-hmm. But that was a big one for us was in the whole, like the whole beginning process for Lainey was like, I feel like the biggest learning moment for me was how much I had to advocate to mm-hmm. get in front of the right doctors to keep pushing, to find answers. Like we went through so many specialists and so many tests and everything came back normal. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. something's still wrong. And so it's the mother's intuition. It's the just push to do whatever you can to take care of your kids in the best manner. And so that's been a big learning moment for me. I think it speaks volumes to the strength of a mom because Mm -hmm. it's not like we actually want to hear it. I I don't want to hear what's wrong with my child. I don't want to hear that there's something wrong, but... I know something's not right. So how, I mean, props to everybody that has gone through that where you have to, no matter how hard you don't want to hear it and just shut the door and pretend it's not happening, you keep going to figure it out. So then you can get, 
you know, some sort of intervention. And yeah, and that's the story for our own AHC community. It's like, it's eerie how similar our stories are, where it's like the doctors did this and they did an EEG and said it wasn't a seizure, so they're fine. And like, all the parents have the same story of like, but I knew something was wrong and the mm-hmm. stuff kept happening and the tests came, kept coming back normal. And it is such a frustrating process. And again, to your point, like, I want you to tell me that my child is perfectly fine, but I know she's not. Mm-hmm. And I could have just left it and been like, great. Every test is normal. We'll just continue on. It's like, but you'd be a fool to deny the symptoms that are happening right in front of you. And so yeah. for our community, for all the other communities of just the really crazy, weird, rare diseases out there when it's not this mainstream disorder that has very mainstream symptoms, like you see that strength in all of the parents that push to find those answers and push the doctors. Cause I had a lot of misconceptions going into this of like the doctors always know what's right. And they don't like they've never heard of AHC. Our neurologist had never heard of it before. So she's on this journey with us. So I would like to ask you, um, I know we talk about a lot about hospital moms, how we can support hospital moms, NICU moms. How can your community support you? You say you kind of stay inside in your four walls. You don't necessarily feel the need to tell everybody when, you know, your family's going through an episode. Mm-hmm either tangible or intangible ways, like how could people choose to support your family during those times? Um, I, it's kind of the classic, like when people say, let me know what I can do to help. And it's like, well, that's more work for me. And I like actually don't know what you can do right now. So just do something, mm-hmm. which honestly, like, I feel like we're in the position now where we are weathered and have pretty thick skin. So not that we don't need help, but I'd say most of the time we like feel like we've got it, but there is the unpredictable time where, you know, today, for example, where it's like, Hey, Rob's mom, can you come and help us out in terms of like the public and the community for us? Our biggest thing is like, we just want to spread awareness um, and push the science forward Cause that's our big focus. And again, the only thing that we felt like we could control in the situation is how do we continue to push science forward to help not only AHC, but other genetic diseases out there that could benefit from the therapies. For us, science brings us a lot of hope. So Stacy, I have to ask you, what brings you hope? For sure. The science. I mean, we have, a bunch of kind of parallel pathing, just research projects happening right now. And it sounds like sci-fi and it feels like sci-fi for the things that they're capable of. But when we got Lainey's diagnosis, I remember Googling what is alternating hemiplegia of childhood. And it was doom and gloom, absolutely devastating. Like it just kept saying devastating neurological disorder. But then we found kind of like the foundation that we're aligned with right now. And it was the path to the cure. And it was like, oh my gosh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but it gave us something to think about. It gave us something to strive for. And so 
not that we put all of our eggs in that basket, but on really hard days, it's like, maybe it doesn't always have to be like this. And that gives us a lot of hope. Um, I feel like I always tear up when I talk about the side of things, but for all of the siblings of kids that have special needs, I have so much hope for what they will bring into the world. As I think about Calvin and how he interacts with Lainey, he is, she's just Lainey to him. He doesn't know any different. And he laughs with her. His, like, all he wants to do is just make her laugh, make her smile. And he will bring, he's already so mature because of the things that he sees that we deal with and that Lainey has to deal with. And so for all of the other siblings of special needs kids, it brings me so much hope of the empathy and the extra nurturing and just compassion that they'll bring into the world because they have lived right alongside of someone who has had to go over so many extra hurdles and that just brings me so much joy to think about what those little buggers will bring into the world. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing your family and your story with us today. And um, we are going to be sure to put some links in the show notes for um, your social media and um, any of the foundations that you want. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. You're doing great things. Thank you, Stacy. She was just lovely, wasn't she? Of course. She's a Minnesotan. Oh, you, you Minnesotans. <laughs> I, I think it's so, for lack of a better word, cool. I appreciate hearing people who don't have the same disease as my children have similar symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, to hear about the the storming, we call it storming, the dysautonomia. Like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it's also comforting in a way to hear her describe it and know that it's bigger than what I'm doing mm-hmm. in my house. And it's heartbreaking that all these sweet, sweet children and adults and human beings have to go through this. But mm-hmm. as a mom listening to this episode, it brings me comfort to know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I also love each of our guests, I think, you know, listening to them kind of have the talk. I, I know we touched on it in the episode, but what they normally say and then hearing what really gets them, which mm-hmm. is like her, her other child, Calvin, and just the siblings. And it's just so interesting how we're all on this journey and yet each, depending on where we're at, it just takes us down and we just have so much love and emotion attached to something so specific. So I love that she honored, you know, her son, but the siblings of the special needs kids too. So I step back and I'm like, I could have, we could have dug into the relationship that her children have. And there's so much to talk about, but Mm -hmm. with this podcast, you know, you have to try to be consistent with a conversation. Otherwise we'd sit here and talk for like 24 straight hours and people would be like, our husbands would be so mad. Could you imagine? No, thank God we have Barb. (laughs) (laughs) Barb and my nurse, Miss Jenny. (laughs) 
and grandma today. Yeah. So, this is Susan, and it is actually four o'clock here in the afternoon, and all of my help is leaving. So I have to go downstairs. So you're on, and this is Diane. And I'm in kind of the same boat. Sayla's so getting back from therapy, and I'm going to be on. Get our we night go, started. We got to go take our podcast hats off and put our mom hats on. Soccer mom. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Talk to y'all later. Bye. I just want to add a quick little reminder that if you are not part of the When Autumn Comes Society, please go over there and join us. We are a group of wonderful human beings. This Facebook group is full of moms, dads, caregivers, aunts, uncles, grandmas, uh, nurses, doctors. I'm trying to think who else. Give me something random. There's a lactation consultant in there. Um, yeah, we're a really fun group, a big hodgepodge of lots of people, not just moms. And we are available to support each other. If you need extra, like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? Or, Hey, we don't often do medical stuff, but I will just say, as I was recording this, a mom from the group, she messaged me and said, Oh my gosh, my kid's G tube isn't working. What do I do? So there's always that. So join us in the When Autumn Comes Society and, and yeah, be part of our group. We know you have so many choices on how to spend your time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend it with us. We would be honored to hear your unique, complicated, and hope-filled stories. We would love for you to connect with us and share your story on our website, www.whenautumncomes.com and you can find us on social media at When Autumn Comes Podcast. Also, check us out at 4am Mom Club where we will be sharing our middle of the night shenanigans, Etsy finds, Netflix faves, and other things to get us through. We would love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll continue to hear unique stories, feel a whole lot of comfort and connection, and hopefully share in a few laughs. We are new to the podcasting world, so this show is produced by yours truly. With hope and a whole lot of excitement, Diane and Susan. See you next time.